And so what it does is it takes something which has always belonged um, to the to, to to the elite and it gives it to the folk, mm. to the people who, if you can speak, even if you even if you speak with sign language, I've been to spoken word sign language mm-hmm. um, events, right? Mm-hmm. If you can speak, you can have a voice and you can be a poet you can be a spoken word artist and mm-hmm. therefore what we get is the unheard stories the untold mm. stories we get people from the lgbtqi plus community mm-hmm. we get people of color we get disabled people we get wh- whoever it is it's people who have been we get women we get men talking about their emotions and their feelings whatever part of you that has been marginalized whatever part of you that has been pushed down has a space and a voice and in this world that is needed and it's powerful Hey guys, welcome back to Adventure Fit Radio. Today, what we have for you is we have a show with Fleecy Malay. So Fleecy is a spoken word poet. Um, she's done uh, a number of um, TED Talks and, and uh, speaking engagements. She's a public speaking coach and she's just a really lovely, um, lovely chick. So um, Fleecy came by and uh, we sat down had an interview and it was a really great one. So you guys will enjoy it and um, yeah. So before you get in there and, and uh, listen to our show with Fleecy, please go and head to True Protein. Check out trueprotein.com.au. You can use the code ADVF and you will get uh, 10% off any and all of their goodies. So they've got all sorts of uh, different proteins, creatines, amino acids, um, they've got it all. So whatever type of training you're doing, whatever type of um, whatever type of optimization you're trying to get to with your body, uh, True Protein can really help you. And yeah, we uh, we swear by them, we love them, and um, we use them. So that's right. You can get ten percent off at TrueProtein.com.au using the code ADVF. Also, don't forget to check out Adventure Fit Travel. Head to www.adventurefittravel.com see everything that we've got coming up. We've got uh, some epic trips coming up next year. Uh, Mexico, Everest Base Camp, uh, Thailand, Bali, Vietnam. They're all on the website, I believe, and uh, all selling well. So get in so you don't uh, so you don't miss out. And also, if you do want to join us, uh, you can use our code, which is RADIO. They use the code radio at checkout for 10% off there. All righty, guys, here's the show. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Alrighty, uh, welcome back to Adventure Fit Radio. We are here today with Fleecy Malay. Fleecy is a spoken word poet and a, a public speaking coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thanks for coming down, Fleecy. You're more than welcome. Thanks for having me. Cool. 
Um, all right, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, who you are, who's Felicity Malay? Who is Felicity Malay? I am a woman, a mother, a poet, a coach. I was brought up in the UK. I moved mm-hmm. to Australia about six years ago. And when I arrived, I set up a woman spoken word event. And from there on, it's just kind of unraveled into a world of running, doing TED Talks mm-hmm. and, and or TEDx Talks and, and running events. And you can say speaking. TED Talks. It's, they're all the same. Oh, they're yeah. not. You get told off if you say TED Talks. <laughs> Do you t- really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, no, TEDx Talks. Te- TEDx Talks. Let's just, uh, we'll take that out. We'll scratch back to the start. Um, really? They're very particular about that, are they? Well, because TED is a specific part of it that runs only in the States and TEDx gotcha. are the in are the kind of offshoot events. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, cool. Let's continue. continue. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so and now I basically perform spoken word all around the world and mm-hmm. I coach people into speaking with authenticity and vulnerability and I'm an av- advocate for women's rights. I'm an advocate mm-hmm. for authenticity and vulnerability as a social change mm-hmm. um, tool. Can you... Before we go anywhere else, can you expand on that, on authenticity and vulnerability as a social change tool? What do, you, what do you exactly mean by that? So what I mean by that is, in my eyes, we live in a world which is very disconnected, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how many, all these different connection tools we've got. 100%. So disconnected. And you just have to look in the newspaper almost every week to see the levels of depression, mm-hmm. of mental health disorders, of um, addiction and that are, that are coming out of a culture which is so disconnected. So for me, I'm about creating a culture of celebration and connection where we actually connect with each other. So we strip off our masks that we've been taught to wear by society as we've been brought up, whatever they are, if different people, different identities have been given, different things that they've been told they have to wear. Mm-hmm. And, um, and actually finding connection with each other. And I feel like in that, what actually happens is we create a better world. We have the capacity to actually just let go and be real with each other. Mm-hmm. And in that the world starts to change because I don't believe that we can actually treat each other the way that we're treating each other in this world. If we were able to see each other properly. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. That's really good. Um, yeah. I'm really into the idea of the masks that we wear and the stories that we tell ourselves and the, the position we hold inside of our society and how that dictates who we are and who we talk to and who we associate with. Mm. It's such bullshit. Mm. That's why I think, I own a travel company Mm. and I think travel, when you meet people, when you're traveling all around other sides, you meet someone on the other side of the world, I feel like you get that real version of of the person Mm. because they don't have the, you know, they don't have their community around them, their story that I'm this, I I have to act this way, I can't talk to this person, I shouldn't be seen with them, so on and so forth. That all goes out the window. Uh, I'm really a big believer of that. Totally. Um, and I'm, and also when we take ourselves out of our comfort zone, we actually have to open ourselves up to other things. You know, mm. what would normally be scary in our comfort zone isn't so scary anymore because it's the day-to-day, like meeting new people. If, you, if you're moving every day, you have to meet new people. Mm. And so actually I found the times that I've been traveling are the times that I've been the most open and the most creative yeah. as well. I write yeah. more, I, I draw more, I have more self-reflection time as well. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent, that's great. Okay, cool. So, um, so, so, all right. So, how did it all start? Where did you, where where did you come from? Did you come from a creative background? Did you did you were you into poetry? Were you into speaking and stuff as a youngster in the UK before you came over here? Or so I wanted to as a kid. I wanted <laughs> to be a, an actress. This is when I was about nine, right? Mm-hmm. An actress or an artist or a rat catcher. 
Rat catcher. Yep. Oh, right. <laughs> they were my three. Perfect. Of course. They Those were... three. Yeah. That <laughs> and makes... I feel like I've kind of got all three in being a spoken <laughs> yeah, word poet. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I went to stage school. I went to the Brit School, which is just outside of um, London. And it's actually had a, a one of those schools that's had a really positive amount of people that have come out of it that have made it quite famous in the mm-hmm. music community. Mm-hmm. Um, but I came out of it kind of going, I hate theatre. Yeah, I right. hate the two-facedness, the masks. I didn't realise what it was then, but it's the inauthenticity. It's in a, The, the theatre world is based around competition. You go to an audition and they're looking for one skinny, blonde, white girl. They're looking mm-hmm. for one tall, dark, handsome man. You know, like mm-hmm. whatever they are. They're, they're, they have their categories of what they want. Mm-hmm. And there's like 50 of you applying for the same role. And... And also just the part of acting is that, I mean, I love, I love acting, but a big part of it is you're spending your life being other people. Yeah. And, um, and I, as I grew up and as I, as I found spoken word, I realized that spoken word gave me the capacity to be on stage and just be myself. But, um, that wasn't easy because I'd spent my whole life not being myself and trying Mm -hmm. to be cool and trying to Mm -hmm. fit in. Mm -hmm. And so a big part of it was kind of moving from that world into spoken word and, and this journey of trying to like work out who I was under the eyes of other people. Mm-hmm. I was also very, very political. So I was, I kind of rejected society for many years. I lived in squats. I lived in tree houses in the woods. Tree houses. Yeah. Tree that, houses. Sounds, that, that sounds way better than society. Yeah, it was, it was great. <laughs> yeah, you sound like you live in every, uh, every teenager's dream. Well, it was it had a blue tarp for a roof. So uh, it wasn't like, yeah, it was right, So it was more of a tree tarped, tarped area. It was a, a tree <laughs> yeah. lean to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sweet. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to, in that, in that kind of rejection of society, and this needs to find something of myself, I decided to see how f- I'd stopped flying and I traveled a lot. So I was hitchhiking mm-hmm. around Europe at this point and decided I wanted to get to Australia without flying. So I headed wow. on this big journey across the world. And Just cutting up- laps in the pool every day, like a thousand <laughs> laps every day. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. I, didn't, I actually ended up um, stopping in Thailand, then a long time in Thailand. Yeah. It was there through spending a year and a half living within the same community in Thailand and showing up on stage, the same people over and over again on this very small little area that I, you know, I think I discovered more about myself as an artist and a poet and a performer. And in that, I believe that when we see ourselves on stage, we see ourselves in life, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think, and then from there, yeah, I ended up flying from South Malaysia to Melbourne about two years, three Uh, three years after I left. Gotcha. Cool. Um, Cool. Cool. Yeah. I, um, I listened to your uh, I listened to your TED talk. Um, I listened to your TED talk recently. The the one obviously the Melbourne one hasn't come out. The first one, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was it was really interesting. It made me think differently uh, or opened me up to thoughts I hadn't had about you know spoken word poetry and and actually being on stage and so forth. And I've got lots of questions around that, mm-hmm. but can you tell me what is the power behind spoken word? Mm. stories throughout history have been the carriers of connection and wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. They're the stories have, have, have brought people together and they have brought um, knowledge forwards. Mm-hmm. And we live in a world where stories are, they're kind of everywhere, but they're kind of very two dimensional on screens and stuff. And mm-hmm. we've kind of lost the connection with real people. And what I think spoken word does on one level is it brings us back to real people, real voices, real stories and truth. And the other powerful thing about spoken word is it came from a movement of marginalized voices, right? It's, it's, it's a rising up. It's taken something which is um, 
and always has been like literature has always belonged to the elite. It's belonged mm-hmm. to the people who have had the education to be able to be literarily advanced. Well, it was illegal. It was illegal hundreds of years ago to read or reprodu- reproduce um, the works of like the Bible. Yeah. Like it was illegal. That was it was too control and too yeah. for the elites. It was yeah. only for the scribes. Yeah. And so it was really it was really unless you were within the money in the church, you couldn't have access to language within the the, the kind of within my culture anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think from what spoken word does is it takes something that has been so restrained to the elite. Even now, I mean, like we say, oh, it's not for the elite, but like we're in a very small population of the planet who's actually been educated enough to be to be able to write, read and write. Oh, 100%. And even financially, whether we are the elite. Yeah, Worldwide, exactly. on a exactly. worldwide level, 1%. And so what it does is it takes something which has always belonged um, to, the, to, to, to the elite and it gives it to the folk, mm. to the people who, if you can speak, even if you, even if you speak with sign language, I've been to spoken word sign language mm-hmm. um, events, right? Mm-hmm. If you can speak, you can have a voice and you can be a poet, you can be a spoken word artist. And Mm -hmm. therefore what we get is the unheard stories, the untold Mm. stories. We get people from the LGBTQI plus community. Mm -hmm. We get people of color. We get disabled people. We get whoever it is. It's people who have been, we get women, we get men talking about their emotions and their feelings. Whatever part of you that has been marginalized, whatever part of you that has been pushed down has a space and a voice. And in this world that is needed and it's powerful. Mm. I agree. I think a good example of this, which isn't spoken word, um, but it's very much to the similar, um, similar, similar ideas, um, is humans of New York. New York. Mm. Um, you know, just telling people's stories, random people on the street. Because, like you say, stories that we read are normally stories of fictional heroes or non-fictional heroes. Mm. Kind of, really. You don't just hear somebody tell their true story of their life, you know. And and a lot of people that. There's probably a lot of things to be learned from people that um, that may have had a tough life and may have ended up on the wrong side of the tracks and may, may be in a, a compromised position because, you know, there's always wisdom there, I feel like. Um, so, yeah, I get it. I get it. I like it. Have you seen the TEDx talk um, by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie called The Danger of a Single Story? No. So that's another reason why I think spoken word is powerful because what she talks about in, in that TEDx is this is that when we only hear one story of a type of a person and when I talk about person I mean almost like a like a stereotype yes. of a person mm-hmm. then we begin to put everybody into that box and there's a danger in that mm-hmm. and what's so beautiful about spoken word is is it we become our own representation yeah. in a culture that doesn't ne- necessarily represent us. So mm-hmm. me as a queer woman, I don't necessarily get represented mm-hmm. as myself in the media around me. Right. Yeah. So what it does is it gives a place for us to begin to represent ourselves. And we actually, um, so when, when I stand on stage and tell my story, other women who are in the audience who maybe identifies queer or identifies being a solo mom, or maybe identifies being a poet or an artist or whatever their thing is that they see mm-hmm. in me, they see themselves for a moment and they get permission. They get permission to be more themselves in this world, to show up more fully as themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think um, because we have this power of access to media that we didn't have 20 years ago, we, we have the capacity to actually start to reframe what is being represented, who is being represented. And spoken word, especially in, um, in like social media now, because it's short three-minute often. Mm. There's three-minute video uh, poems, yeah. which you can put into a video, and that is so consumable. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to take in, but we can actually put our stories out in the world in a way that is completely consumable. And, 
and um, compelling and true mm. for people. 100%. And people are probably refreshed to hear new stories, new fresh ideas because when you talk about actual narratives, I think they say that there's – and I've – I was reading about this because I saw, I've stumbled upon it the last few months. It's like narratives that you hear in any any real story, fictional story. There's like six six stories mm. that they all fit into: um, boy, boy and girl, hero, uh, the hero story, um, the um, uh, coming back from turmoil or whatever. There's like there's basically like six six narratives, and that's every single movie can be. And, and book that's been written can be kind of shoved into those six um, six scenarios, but that's not real life, you know. That's like what people get entertained by. Mm. But it's pretty entertaining to hear, you know, real stories of actual, you know, actual real life. You would actually really, uh, really enjoy uh, my. Well, that's a weird way to say it. You would really um, vibe with my housemate Alana. She just put on a. Um, she just put on a show at the. Um, Fringe Festival in Melbourne it was called Julia a Lesbian and she's queer she actually taught me about LGBTQ because I didn't know it was. I was always saying LGBT she's like LGBTQ you just said an I and a plus it's an I plus yeah, <laughs> yeah right so I I just can't I just can't keep up with the times I am literally falling behind I think that I'm going good and then I'm just I'm behind yeah. already but um, so I is intersex people gotcha and then plus is people like asexual pansexual gotcha I learned about asexual the other day too on a, on a Netflix thing um but um, yeah, she she actually um, had a play, Julia, a lesbian, and it was a queer play. Um, uh, she was the director, and Natalie, who was living with me at the time as well, she was from Chile. She came over and she played Julia. It's a one woman show, and it was really great because she, um, Alana, is very very much similar, to, uh, di- actually dissimilar to you, and she loves theatre. You know, that's what she 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 lives and breathes it. I do love theatre. I'm yeah. just going to say that. Yeah. I do love yeah. theatre. Well, you rang that pretty it. bad before, let's I know. be honest. It was the world around it when <laughs> yeah. I was growing we'll up. We'll cut that part out as well. We'll cut that part out. <laughs> 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 no, but... <laughs> but um, but she she feels like... She's, she's queer and she feels like, you know, her story doesn't get told. Mm. So that's why she wanted to, um, you know... She wanted to tell the story of Julia, a lesbian, and make it entertaining and fun and consumable for... LGBTQI plus regular, you know, like straight straight people, young and old, you know, whatever, like for for all, for all people. So for that same reason, like to get that story out there, um, it's also the power of normalizing. So I mean, Netflix. Mm. You mentioned Netflix. Netflix is doing it really well. I apologize because I just said normal people. I think mm. when I was referring to the not LGBTQI, <laughs> and I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. So, Heteronormative. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so so Netflix. What they are doing is they are they have in a lot of their shows. I've noticed is they'll have characters who are for example trans or queer or whatever and they're having them as they're just a character in there it's not about it's not it's not an issue it's not yeah. an issue about them so in the OA I don't know if you've seen the OA no. there's uh, it's a it's a great I don't really know is it OC? No, I'm just joking. I would say. But yeah, um, the OA is, I really liked it, but there's a character in it who happens to be a trans boy. And you don't know that, really. He's just there. And then at one point he goes home and his, I think it's his dad refers to him by his dead name, which would mm-hmm. be the name that he was before he transitioned. And that's the only real clue that you get. And it's not a big thing. It's just that he's he's there and I think that's what we really need to start doing in our society is actually Mm. telling stories is putting real people into real stories so rather than like telling stories about the issues of those people which we need to do as well but also what about just bring just having some characters just just letting people be people as well as being a person of color as well as being queer as well as being what like disabled as well as being whatever else Mm -hmm. emotional whatever it is just having them have like 
like the day-to-day roles in society. And I think that's the other thing about doing spoken word is I might get up there and yeah, one of my poems might about be, might be about being queer, but one of them might be about, you know, what I like to eat. It yeah. could be it could be anything. It could be anything that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it breaks that single story and it actually starts to create people to make people relatable it takes down the othering and starts yeah. to bring us together as people 100 percent. i think the word other when it's referred to people is the greatest crime in the history of humanity you know what i believe in regards to that i'm like this for one of two things we find life on another planet mm-hmm. or we get an asteroid hurtling towards earth and we have to like do armageddon style like <laughs> Call NASA, get the rockets. Where's Bruce Willis? And we go, we blow, and we we save humanity. Yeah, we find we find something else that we can call other. Mm. You know, because at the moment there's still always us and them. Mm. You know, we are us, they are them, and until we as humans become us, we are us. I don't know. I think it just. I think we're so ingrained to think that way that we need we need something to the unification to, against yeah. a common enemy kind yeah. of thing yeah pretty much mm. yeah Mars attacks we need well, it's just I think right now maybe in like hundreds and it's it's obviously trending the right way like where where you are having this conversation right now I mean probably 20 or 30 years ago like it wouldn't be you know you wouldn't have the same probably opportunities like it's so it's, it's trending the right way for sure but yeah I think if we were to fast track it we would need we need aliens <laughs> my brain, um, my brain's so like I'm going. Maybe the common enemy could be our inner demons. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just thinking, aliens, aliens, aliens. <laughs> um, yeah, it's sweet. So, what was it like growing up as a you know somebody that was you know in a minority that probably? Well, I'm an '80s kid. I don't know. I don't know how how old you are, but like you know, as I said, it's only really things that. What, what was it like? What was it like growing up as a in a minority? And you- I mean, I'm quite lucky because I came. I'm pretty like straight passing. So like for most of my life, most people didn't. It's only, it's only since I shaved my hair that people mm. actually would view me as being queer and being someone who's attracted to people people of all genders. It meant that mm-hmm. I was quite often in relationships to with men, mm-hmm. and so on that level, it was kind of I didn't get necessarily all the issues that other people get. I was quite privileged. But then on another level, like coming out as a what at the time I would use the term bi right as a queer person people be like oh but is it boys that you like or is it girls because you got to choose one Mm. and I wasn't accepted within the gay community I wasn't accepted within the straight community um and what that does is it creates a story so even now in my 30s I am unpacking this feeling that when I find myself attracted to a man that maybe it was all a lie Mm. That maybe it's all a fad. Oh my god, a really cute puppy just. Yeah, I know. How good is that dog? (laughs) I I was distracted too because I saw it run that way, and I was like, "Oh fuck, what are you talking about again?" (laughs) Um, This is a dog-friendly office, so it's very easy to get distracted. And that is the cutest, cutest puppy of all time. We should get him on the podcast. Get over here, boy. I'm distracted. So yeah. Where, where was I going with that? Um, Yeah. So so it's it's that I unpack this story of like when I find myself attracted to a man. um, It's like. Well, am I even am I even queer? Mm. Maybe they were right. Maybe it was all just a fad. Maybe it was just attention seeking, mm. right? And then when I find myself attracted to, uh, say, women or, or non-binary people or trans people or queer people in general, mm-hmm. I, I it's like, well, maybe I wasn't straight. Maybe it was all just maybe yeah. I was just you know. And actually, yeah. it's all of it. I'm all of it, and sexuality is fluid. But what yeah. we for me, but what I don't, what we I didn't get when I was growing up is that kind of acceptance. It was um, there was definitely a 
in the UK around that time. I mean, like I was born in the the mid late eighties, right? Mm-hmm. So me too. 86. 86. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we are on, Felicity, man. Here we are on. It's great. <laughs> so, so what I got was the, the, there'd been a sexual revolution. There'd been a, a kind of sexuality revolution as well in, in the kind of 80s. And there was a lot more gay men on TV, right? Mm-hmm. So we had Graham Norton. We had Queer as Folk. We had mm-hmm. um, Will and Grace. But really, the, the only gay woman I saw was Ellen. And she yeah. was she came out quite a long way into like I was probably thirteen and when she came out. And maybe. she wasn't um, she wasn't gay on the Ellen program. She was came she? out on Ellen but, oh, but it was yeah. it was quite a way into the series, right? Yes, that's right. I remember that. It was yeah. quite a long yeah. way in. And I think for me it created it was very difficult to again representation to see myself on TV and to see myself because I watched a lot of TV you know I was a kid like I wasn't I would watch Dawson's Creek I wouldn't see me in Dawson's mm. Creek you know yeah. I'd watch you know whatever the shows were that I was watching and I think that um that was probably quite a hard that was probably quite a hard part for me and just just kids being kids and they pick mm. on whatever they can right mm. so like 100%. I remember walking down the, and I didn't I look I was I was into metal music i was kind of this cyber goth hippie metal punk kid yeah right you grabbed all the things that kids could pick on and you, and yeah. you were like i just shoved them all, all in them. yeah i'm all of them <laughs> give them to me and i remember walking down the street and an 18 year old boy punched me in the face just walked past me and punched me in the face Jesus. another time a, a kid threw a burger at me screaming witch dyke lesbian Jesus. You know? funny how he didn't realize how right he was really uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's quite a mouthful too yeah it's like, not the burger but the the yeah. which yeah, it wasn't the catchiest <laughs> yeah no nah, it's, it's not no one's gonna pick that up and run with it you know <laughs> it's not sandbiteable but um yeah that must have been tough well it's good that you you know now you, you you're out there you know getting people to tell their own stories and and um yeah so so tell us about your um when you you said when you came to australia you had um you had your spoken word um your, your first spoken word night mm. yeah how did that all come about so i was i traveled here i'd met a guy when i was in thailand and i was coming to melbourne anyway and turned out he was from melbourne and we mm-hmm. were all in love and mm-hmm. i met him here and we hitchhiked from Melbourne up to far north Queensland where yep. I used to live as a kid mm-hmm. by the time we got there we didn't like each other all that much gotcha. <laughs> as comes when you travel yeah. with people that often happens I did that with my dog that trip earlier in the year and yeah. fucking hell we were ready to just have a little break yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so see we, we broke up and I was left like thousands of miles away from home didn't really know anybody and I needed to surround myself with women. And I was, again, it was this, this concept that women had become this thing I was competing against. But what I wanted was a solace in women, in sisters. So I came up with this idea of Mother Tongue, which was the Woman's Spoken Word event. And I rang a friend of mine, Vanessa Florence, and we decided to run one in Melbourne. I went to back to Melbourne and about two weeks after I arrived, we ran it and I was mm-hmm. expecting 10, 11 people. I literally printed 25 flyers off on my home printer and <laughs> yeah. handed them out. I had about 20 of them, no, 10 of them left. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sorry, you know what it's like. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh, yeah, maybe 10, 11 people might come. We had 75 people oh, that's crazy. that night. And then we then by the end of the night, they were like, when's the next one happening? Mm-hmm. So I ran, we said, next month. <laughs> Why not? They're here. Yeah. Put your email list down. Yeah. We had 200 people come to the next one. Wow. We had to up venue size. You yeah, know? for sure. And then from then on, it's been running monthly for six years now. Wow. Um, and it's created a whole community within itself. We've also had one run in, we, we had one-off events in Castlemaine, in Byron, in Adelaide, in 
Canada and in um, San Francisco as well. So my my vision is to have them running all over the world, mm-hmm. like like uh, on their own, mm-hmm. you know. But um, but yeah, it's been a really amazing. And what 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 I see every month is these women showing up and sharing their stories. And then the audience is mixed gendered. And what I see is community of all genders coming together to celebrate and witness women's voices and women's stories, mm-hmm. and in vulnerability and in courage and in honesty, not in the kind of like hey look follow my instagram feed mm. i'm i'm rocking the world i'm such a boss mm. bitch you know like it, it's it's Fuck. it's i mean and, that, and that's cool if that's what you're rocking if that's your truth but like sometimes that's not my truth sometimes i mm. fucking hurt yeah and i just want to i didn't clear if i could swear but i, I no I, you, I, you can great. swear for sure because so, <laughs> sometimes I, I sometimes i fucking hurt and i'm sad and sometimes and we get women up there talking about abuse we get women talking about rape we get women mm. talking about uh, mental health issues we get them talking about falling in love having kids having babies like yeah. not real being stuff. able to have babies real life yeah. stuff people connect with that that's why people 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 don't understand social media people people ask oh, you know some do but like so these so many of these you know people that are that making making their life making their um making their money and their lifestyle through being just um pretty like people care about real you know people care about authenticity is the word you used earlier mm. and people they can connect with exactly. people connect with real things people don't connect with oh man you look super hot standing next to that protein shaker you've <laughs> look, you've, you have had a great day <laughs> like you know like no one gives a fuck about that <laughs> <laughs> um but um but then there, and that's what and that leads us back around because what we're doing with social media is we're actually just continuing this culture of competition mm. and beauty standards that are just unreachable by anybody. Men have to be strong and emotionless. Women mm. have to be beautiful and toned and skinny. Mm. Everyone has to be white and straight. And yeah. it's like it's not. It's it's just like some people are that, and that's really amazing that you are that. But it's also really amazing when you're not that too. Mm. And when we are just perpetuating those things in our social media feeds and perpetuating that story, we're not actually making the world a better place. No, we're not. It way worse. And can we and can we show up with like our cellulite? And can we show up with our depression? And can mm. we show up with our just like I'm just having a good day watching the trees? Yeah, you know, like yeah. just whatever. The is trees on Netflix. I'm watching. Yeah. The, I'm watching the trees on Netflix, <laughs> and it's fucking awesome. <laughs> You should pitch that. I think that would take it. No, nah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've got a huge problem with social media. Listeners of this, listeners of this podcast are probably sick of me talking about it, but I think there should be warning. I think there will be warning labels in 10 years, 20 years' time, just like cigarettes. Mm. But um, but there's good there's good people out there doing good things as well. But but um, that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, that's interesting. One of the things that I wanted to talk about um, – that I wanted to talk about with you was um, something that I heard on your um, on your TED talk, and it was about. So obviously, you have facilitated the 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 space for for women to to talk and speak on stage, or whatever. And you also coach people in public speaking, right? Mm-hmm. So why? And I have my theories. Um, why is public speaking more? Uh, horrifying a thought than the thought of death and spiders and sharks and everything else. <laughs> Why is that? You have to add spiders and sharks because we're in Australia, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, spiders um, and sharks com- com- combined. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because it leads back to the sense of social rejection. If I show up and speak, what if they don't like what I say? What mm. if I don't like what I say? What if my community rejects me? Okay, and in this day and age, that's not too much of a bad thing, you know. So, I mean, it can be harrowing to the soul to be rejected by community, mm-hmm. but you can usually meet new people or whatever. Um, 
However, primarily, if we are rejected by our community, we are on our own. If we are on mm. our own, we are dead. Mm. You cannot, you cannot survive as an individual mm-hmm. primarily. Mm-hmm. And so what I feel like the fear of public speaking speaks to is that fear of death of like, if I show up and I get rejected, what will happen? Mm. And then that's been enhanced by different things. So for example, this concept of, um, I don't know if you saw, I got a poem called Witches that came out mm-hmm. and that went viral. And, and it, that's when we th- think as women, what it is as women in the Me Too movement to speak up, when that links back to like seven, like to, to so many, so many hundreds of years worth of, of, of literally killing women for mm. speaking up mm. then that 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 follows through trauma actually exists in dna right mm. it exists and lives in dna mm-hmm. same for same for people of color you know same for for jewish people with mm-hmm. you know same for so many of us and we 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 walk, and it's the same for men like the years of silencing emotions mm-hmm. of silencing truth of silencing honesty and, and holding face and it changes our dna it creates a trauma story and the idea of actually speaking isn't just i'm afraid that these people in this room won't hear me yeah. It's facing that fear of that we've been carrying. It's actually re for me when we do start speaking up. It's actually reshaping our DNA. You know, I don't know if that's scientific. Don't <laughs> don't ask no, Dr. We'll Carl about it. that. There's plenty of room for bro science <laughs> on Adventure Radio. Don't worry, pseudo bro science, whatever you want to call it. But it's re, it's reframing those that that neural that the neural pathway yeah. of like if I speak, I will get shamed and mm-hmm. I will die. It's kind of coming into this like actually there is for me I, I see there as being comfort zones and safety zones. And I fully, fully encourage people to push their comfort zone Mm. and also to know where your safety zone is in each moment and not push your safety zone, but push your comfort zone. And when we can define where those two points are, then we can actually safely speak up. We can take our art, we can take our poetry, we can take our opinions, we can take our emotions and we can put them in places where we can speak up that is uncomfortable, but it is not unsafe. I thank you for that answer. That was a very good answer. <laughs> I got um, a bit ranty in there. No, no, it's good. It was good. I um, yeah. As I never really thought about public public speaking all that much, but I feel like I feel like I can connect with that. I've uh, always had a you know very big fear of public speaking. I've done it a few times now, and I don't find it difficult. But it's that fear of that the unknown really and whatever. Um, but I've always had an issue when I've had personal times where they've been rough, um, I get social anxiety. That's mm-hmm. like I don't really – very rarely have I had like what you would call probably depression or whatever and I don't get crazy anxieties of fear of death or ghosts or whatever like I know some people have. I get social anxiety really bad and it all stems back to I believe, my psychologists believe, the fear of people not liking me, mm-hmm. what you say and, 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 and going back to the primal, primal level of like no one will like me, no one will love me, I will be alone because if you think of like uh, – thank you for, for um, that TED Talk because that actually was the most befuddling thing to me, the, the whole fear of public speaking thing but it kind of makes sense to me now because like, like you say, it's primal. Like the, the worst thing that we can do to the, the most horrible people on the planet if you're – a murderer, a rapist, whatever, psychopath, and you're in jail and you fuck up in jail, we put you in solitary confinement. Mm. Like you're going by yourself and it's the mm. worst feeling ever and it drives people crazy. Mm. So actually standing up on stage and feeling like, okay, here's who I am. You're not, you don't have the comfort zone of you're talking to your friends and family and people that love you most or people that know you, your coworkers or in your community. You really are opening yourself up to 
large amounts of people pot- potentially not actually agreeing with you and potentially not liking you, which you, you have to be okay with, but we're not mm. as people. So how do you teach people? That's fascinating. How do you, how do you break through that with people? Firstly is the realisation that when you're up on that stage and you're afraid of all those things happening, the realisation that every single person sitting in that audience is exactly afraid of the same thing. Mm. We're all afraid of the same thing. We're all afraid of showing up somewhere, whether Mm. it's on stage or to our loved ones or to our close ones. To me, public speaking is speaking to anyone other than myself. And sometimes it's also how I show up to myself, right? Mm -hmm. My My inner voice. So if I can stand on stage and remember that I'm not speaking to a crowd of faces waiting to... To, to lynch me what I'm speaking to is a crowd of people who are petrified of being seen and doing their best to show up in all these ways that society and social media have told us to show up and going home and often feeling lonely at times and often feeling sad and often feeling unachieved or often crying at times if they might or like whatever it is watching Netflix binge eating ice cream whatever it is that we do right mm. all these people in this audience have that mm. and when we remember that suddenly they aren't othered they're just mm. like us mm. and then in that can I then speak to them as if I was speaking to somebody who I knew rather than trying to prove myself or, or shying back and hiding myself? What if I just showed up as me and in that gave them the opportunity to see themselves? And you know what? If they can't take it, if you, if I, my, my role in my idea when I stand on stage, my role is to stand up and, and tell my story with as much honesty as I can. To show my, to make it as accessible to people, to be, to create connection, right? To create connection. And if I show up and I've done my half, my, my part of the work isn't to make them hear my story or like my story. My role is to make my story available to those who need it, mm-hmm. to other people like me who want to connect. And there might be people out there who just are in a point in their life that they just cannot connect with what I'm saying. And that's okay. Yeah. And if they don't like it and they're not into it, that's their thing. No harm done. It's, yeah, it's no harm done. Mm. I'm not here to prove to anybody else that they should be honest. Mm. I'm here to show up and say, I am ready to be honest. And if you are ready to be honest too, come, let's do it. Let's step forward and make social change. Because I believe that vulnerability attracts vulnerability. Authenticity attracts authenticity. And in that eventually, like there wasn't t- there was times in my life that I wasn't able to either. Mm. And it's not just like once I've got it, I'm there. I've hit, I, I've, I'm enlightened. No way. It's every day I show up and every day I have to ask, how much am I able to be honest today? How much am I able to be vulnerable today? What will serve me today? And in that, Maybe the people in the audience one day who weren't able to, next time they watch the TED Talk or whatever else, they are. And it get, and it affects us differently in those days, you know. Mm. So for me, my work really is to just help myself and others show up as themselves and in that maybe in, inspire others to do the same. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's a really nice, nice, um, a nice thing to put your – Put your, uh, it's good. I feel like that would be really rewarding, you know, which is which is the aim of the game. Fleecy, we actually uh, have to get you out of here. <laughs> Before we do, um, we normally have three questions from me, three questions from um, one of my co-hosts. One of my co-hosts moved to Bali and then I – what I'm going to do is I'm going to do my three questions. We call it six from six. I'm going to do my three questions and then I'm going to see which questions I can remember from um, Tommy's old three questions, which are also quite good. <laughs> All right. So um, they'll have to be rapid fire-ish. Okay. Um, okay, cool. So um, 
My first question is, what is your favourite travel destination on the planet? Um, yeah, that you recommend. England. <laughs> England, hometown. As in head to the Celt, head to, to Dartmoor, head to the sacred circles, mm-hmm. head to the stone circles, head to the, the actual nature that is, and not just England, actually the whole of the UK, mm-hmm. south of Wales, Scotland. Ooh, Scotland's it's nice. stunningly beautiful. Yeah. Fuck, it's got green. a finesse to it. Blue it's got a green. real, like there's so many shades of green. Like you mm. say, you didn't even realise there was such a spectrum yeah. of green in that world. Things that are blue in other countries are green over there. Yeah. Everyone's green. Yeah. And I've yeah. been to a lot of countries all around the world. Yeah. I have a couple of others like Japan, the South Islands of Japan, yep. stunning, and France, south of France okay. as well. Mm. Cool. I like it. Um, okay. So next question is dream travel destination. So somewhere you haven't been absolute top of your bucket list. Somewhere that I haven't been that is the top of my bucket list. <laughs> New Zealand. Oh, really? I'm yeah. going there in uh, about <laughs> Five days. Yep. Yeah. Fuck Should you. come. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Don't fuck go. you. I'll take it. Yeah. Why not? Um, yeah. New Zealand. I'd love to go. I, I was. It was actually my 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 original vision was to travel overland all the way to New Zealand and then travel overseas back around to the UK. Cool. And I just got sidetracked by <laughs> Thailand and then Australia. And a boy. And now I got a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Massive sidetrack of the old kid. Oh yeah. It's a huge side. But she's a good yeah. sidetrack. You know. Yeah, Me and yeah, her. For we're sure. a good team. Positive sidetrack. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Great. New Zealand's awesome. I've been there. I'm going over for a mate's wedding and I'm going to take the opportunity to have a little holiday and go hiking um, in Milford Sound, which I haven't done before. Mm. It's like four days, no Wi-Fi and it's going to be good. I've been blessed recently to have a lot of um, people of like Maori people mm-hmm. and Kiwi people coming into my life mm-hmm. and just seeing the culture and the, the, the depth of how much the culture still feels alive in the people mm. is really, um, to me, it reminds me of finding my culture again. Yeah. Re- reconnecting back with my culture. It's one of the reasons why I love the UK so much is because I get something when I land on that land mm-hmm. that I do not get anywhere else in this world. And it's this kind of like quiet whisper of home. Mm-hmm. It's like the plants talk to me almost. That's great. That's a good feeling to have. Mm. Um, okay, so my next question is... Um, a book that you like to recommend it can be anything. Can be a comic book. Can be a autobiography. Can be a whatever. Self development. I would say. I do you know what? I just really love the Philip Pullman trilogy. His Dark Materials. It's one of those ones that I've loved my whole life. Cool. Um, what type of genre is that? It's like a like it's fiction, adventure, kind of fantasy. Yeah, it's, they made cool. they made a they made a movie, a pretty bad movie about it, um, called The Golden Compass. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right. It I was, knew it was I knew a good thought, movie, but it wasn't yeah. quite. No, what I've the heard book the is. books are epic. The They're right up there with Lord of the Rings yeah, and, and exactly. Song of Ice and Fire, and I love all those type of books. So I'd probably really love that series. And what I love about that series is it starts like I feel like li- the, like the main character Lyra in the first book. She was written for me at like 12, 13, 14, yeah. You know, yeah. and as, she, as we go through the three books, she matures and the writing style matures and the things that we look at at the beginning of the book we're looking at like friendships and and Mm -hmm. deceit and deceit by the Mm -hmm. end of the three books we're looking at like multiple universes we're looking at like great grand scale politics and religion Mm -hmm. right and so i feel like the three books mature as we mature as readers Mm -hmm. and as she matures as a character that's great that's great um cool great recommendation um i don't really remember tommy's three questions that he he, uh he you throw out there, but I do remember one. Okay. Um, and that is um, three people dead or alive that you could have at a dinner party. Who would they be and why? Brene Brown. Bam. Brene Brown. One. Bang. There we uh, go. Maya Easy. Angelou. Yep, Maya she's, Angelou. She's epic. Yep. And um, 
maybe Oprah. Oprah. Which sounds really weird. I'm not like a massive Oprah fan, <laughs> but recently... Maybe she might give you something free under your seat or something. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I just want a car. Yeah. I just straight up, I just yeah, want a car. you're like, oh, welcome to dinner, Oprah. Just, uh, fuck. <laughs> Fucking nothing on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think what I like about Oprah, because I, I, don't, I don't follow her mainstream stuff. I never mm-hmm. have. But what I have done recently is listen to some of her podcasts where she's interviewing people. Mm-hmm. And she is a really good interviewer. Like mm. I, I, like it's actually a dream of mine to be interviewed by Oprah because I just love the way she draws people out mm-hmm. of themselves, and I feel like her, Maya Angelou, and Brene Brown in one room would be like this. I feel like maybe the universe might explode. <laughs> it's like these three yeah. great humans. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I feel like saying, well, you know, you, you're on your way to, you know, getting interviewed by Oprah, but I, I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm probably. I'm not even on the. If she's a great, I'm probably like a. I'm a different language on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> now you're on your way. You're on your way. Thanks. Um, trying to compare myself to Oprah. What a d- dumb thing to do. No, um, but... <laughs> <laughs> you can just send her an email. And they know, they know yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, she's a listener of the yeah, show. Yeah. We'll get her involved. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So, um, Felicity, uh, lastly, where can people find you? Where can people find um, about your open word, uh, open word Speaking engagements, your TED Talks, where can people find anything Fleecy Malay? FleecyMalay.com, F-L-E-A-S-S-Y, Malay.com. And Facebook, mm-hmm. um, forward slash Fleecy M, Instagram, mm-hmm. I'm always on Instagram. Uh, they're kind of my three main ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I occasionally do a twit. Yep. <laughs> occasionally tweet things, but I don't, really don't use that very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, Fleecy Malay, uh, thanks for coming on the show. That was great. You're welcome. And that's a wrap. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. If you enjoyed the show, there's a few ways that you can support the show. That is via our Patreon. So you can do that at www.patreon.com forward slash adventure fit. You can also um, you can also subscribe. So you, you can subscribe on whatever you're listening to, which is uh, whatever you're listening on, which is, can be iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, sorry, not iTunes, Stitcher. We are also on Spotify. Um, and yeah, you can share with your friends, subscribe. That really helps us. Also, you can get the show notes at www.adventurefittravel.com forward slash radio. And don't forget to check out trueprotein.com.au, 10% off, use the code ADVF. And check out adventurefittravel.com for 10% off, use the code radio. See you next week.